Thanks for your support of the 9-1-what podcast. While we try our very best, sometimes sound issues just can't be fixed. We experienced just that on this episode. So we apologize in advance, but please listen and enjoy the show. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, yeah, my uh, next door neighbor broke into my house and stole my drugs. 911, what? A fun, unique podcast taking you behind the badge. Unbelievable stories exploring the day in the life of a first responder. 911 is made possible by Carlos Bail Bonding and Eric Buchanan and Associates, fighting for those that have been denied disability, life, long term care, and health benefits nationwide. Now, here's your host, DeMarlin Dean. Welcome. To 9 what You know, the podcast that's quickly becoming everyone's favorite podcast in the world. And if it's not your favorite yet, just keep listening because it soon will be. Hey, make sure before we get started that you do me a favor. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to us and make sure you like the podcast and most importantly, share it with your friends. Uh, tell everybody about it so that we can continue to grow this thing and uh, take over the world with your help. But today... My guest is Joseph Patrick Fair, and Joseph has kind of a unique story because he's, you know, he's like some of my other guests. He's done both police and fire, but he has his real, real job, excuse me, his real job that pays the bills, but he's actually been a reserve police officer for several years. So he's been out here fighting crime and being a first responder and not even getting a paycheck for it, really, and um, which makes it even more interesting, I believe. So, Joseph, how in the world are you doing today, sir? Hey, Demarlin, it's uh, my pleasure to be on your podcast. I listen to it all the time. I love it. And uh, let's, uh, let's give your listeners a real good story today. It's my honor to be on. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. So, you know, let's let's start from the beginning of this. Why do you actually uh, work for free? I, I tell people, hey, I've been a reserve officer, but we actually got paid. I don't do anything for free. What what what's put this in your heart to do something like this and not even get a paycheck for it? Yeah, I can say the uh, reserve thing unpaid for me was community service, but I'd also like to say that. Uh, the people you meet in law enforcement, along with firefighting, are some of the best people in the world. And uh, the networking that I did through people that I met during law enforcement ended up opening up all kinds of opportunities uh, in jobs and uh, collaborating and understanding what's going on in my municipality and whatnot. So I did it for the people, the service, and uh, a little adrenaline rush on the weekend. <laughs> there's there's plenty of that now in your situation you you worked up in uh, the western part of michigan so i have another another uh a first responder from michigan in my last podcast that i just re i just released uh on monday as a matter of fact one of the last monday one of the things that i said was the people in michigan those guys are just weird because they're he he was a, a emt and we were talking about all the kinds of weird stuff that we find in people's bottom that shouldn't be there now, I know it happens everywhere, but he happened to be from Michigan. So we were talking about Michigan that day. But anyway, um, do you ride by yourself as a reserve officer or do you ride with another officer? Yeah, as a reserve officer in Michigan, they want you to ride with somebody else. Uh, they give you a little bit of latitude as far as driving the car to a special event. I did a lot of security at the high school football games, stuff like that. But uh, as a reserve, you want to work directly underneath a certified officer. 
some officers give you a lot of latitude, others kind of watch you just hold the clipboard. But uh, the, the experience was great. And uh, the person that I rode with most of the time uh, treated me just like an equal. And uh, we, uh, we worked in the car seamlessly and were able to really uh, just uh, actually get a lot done to serve our community because we just understood each other. Very good. And I want to make sure you keep continue to speak up a little bit. Uh, your voice was kind of trailing off a little bit, but I want to make sure my listeners hear every word you have to say. And even before you got into the police work, you actually volunteered as um, fire. You did some of that as well, correct? Yes. Uh, in Michigan here, we have um, fire and police full-time, part-time in a rural community. You're going to have uh, people that transition from part-time fire into full-time and some small fire departments are all volunteer and maybe the chief and the lieutenant are career full-time and then everybody else is volunteer. Started uh, with the fire department in 92, went almost 10 years there, made friends with people on the police department around 04, which they talked me in after riding along for about a summer. They talked me into joining the police department, went through the reserve academy. Uh, and then worked on and off as reserve 05 to 20. Uh, my parents both were ill and elderly. I had to step away to take care of my mom at one point, my father. My kids were at an age where they needed to be drove around sports. Uh, I took a leave from that. But the minute that uh, I cleared those family responsibilities, got right back into the reserve work and had loved every day of it. So let's settle this once and for all. Anybody I have, anytime I talk to somebody that's uh, had the opportunity to do both, I got to ask this question. Who are the coolest, firemen or policemen? Well, I will tell you for certain that being a firefighter with a fire truck at a firehouse uh, gives you a lot of toys to play with. I, I mean, a fire truck is just an <laughs> unusual piece of equipment. I mean, you got Jaws of Life and chainsaws and uh, pumper, water tank, uh, heart start. It's kind of endless if you like to prank people what you could do in a firehouse. Uh, being a police officer probably has uh, more public relations involved in it. Uh, being a firefighter, a little more uh, fun around the firehouse. I, I guess that's the best thing. Uh, somebody getting up on the fire truck in the hose bed and getting a big bucket, a five-gallon bucket of soap, hot water. And then as you're walking around the truck to wash it, they would dump it over your head and say, uh, well, you've been baptized now. And welcome to the fire department. And, uh, you know, go change your uniform and get back to work, clean the floor. Bunch of pranksters, huh? A lot of pranksters. It was very interesting. Uh, there was an endless amount of lists of things to do, pull the equipment off, uh, inspect it, clean it, whatnot. Uh, I, lo I love both, to be totally honest. We have a thing here in West Michigan where a few medium-sized apartments are blended together in public safety. And one of my dreams at the time was to get both certifications and then apply for a department that had public safety uh, because the salary is so good and the benefits are so mm -hmm. great in public safety. So I, I heard both callings. I watched... Uh, Ponch and John on chips, and I watched Squad 51 <laughs> as a kid. So I felt uh, pulled by both and uh, yeah. did, did both jobs. Uh, just uh, loved the camaraderie of both. 
So I would not say the firefighters are cooler. I would just say uh, they're into more creative uh, pranking. Uh, some of well, they have more time to sit around and think about yeah. it. You know, they're there 24 hours at a time or whatever. So they just sit around and think of crazy stuff to do. So when you think about your time on the fire department, what was the maybe the craziest or the, or the most exciting call? Um, or maybe even do you remember the first hot call you ran where it was a, a, a raging fire that you had to, to put out? Yeah, uh, I would go with the funny one. Uh, there were a few okay. serious ones. The funny one was uh, we have a major uh, expressway run through our municipality here uh, between Chicago and Detroit. And uh, we had a lot of slide-offs in the wintertime, a lot of accidents on the highway. Uh, one time we got uh, toned out to uh, semi-truck that had rolled over on the expressway. And uh, it was cold that night maybe 31, 32 degrees. Uh, we got out there, it was dark. The truck caught a little bit on fire, but we put the fire out real quick. And uh, we were uh, standing there and then eventually we realized that uh, the truck was full of uh, laundry detergent and fabric softener. And quite a few mm -hmm. of the cases came apart and it was running out of the, uh, the back of the truck. And uh, at one point we had to get down in a lower position uh, to check the truck and all that. And we got our boots into that fabric softener with the snow and the ice <laughs> and the water. And uh, people were laughing pretty hard because you'd open up the nozzle and you would slide backwards about five feet and you shut off the nozzle and fall on your face. And uh, so uh, the fabric softener fiasco is what at the firehouse they would say, I saw you dancing at the, fi the fabric softener fiasco, and they would smell your turn up here and say, you could lie that you weren't there, but I could smell it. I could smell <laughs> the perfume in your turn up here. You were there and you fell down and everybody laughed. I could imagine that. So, I mean, it, it's probably, it looks like one of those cartoon uh, animations or something where you're sitting there and, you know, hit the hose and start sliding back, turn it off, tumble forward, and just over and over and over again. That would be Pretty hilarious. It was, yes. it, it was hilarious that night, and I was bruised a little, and I was tired, but it was such an interesting call, and everybody came together, and uh, toward the end of the night, uh, we got the fabric softener off the roadway, we got the water, we got the truck put back up. There was a lot of work pulling the back of the truck open, get the damaged product off onto a wrecker another big wrecker to lift the truck. And uh, I bet you we were out uh, five hours after the initial dispatch, cleaning the highway up, uh, getting the fabric softener off and writing reports. So that one, I was, I was new. Uh, that one uh, stuck in my memory because it was so unique and I thought I would never show up to uh, the fabric softener fiasco. But uh, yeah, yeah, really interesting call. It sounds like it. I've always wondered in places like Michigan or even when it gets colder, how you how you deal with water and I guess freezing, you know, whether it's freezing. I, I imagine it doesn't freeze on the trucks, but, you know, so I would I would think sometimes the water running off of whatever fire you're fighting, you have freezing hazards there. But how, do, how does that work? I mean, how do you deal with yeah, freezing water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water in the wintertime when it's super cold is a lot of work on the fire department. Uh, we put a little bit of antifreeze in the tank uh, to make sure the water doesn't freeze on that. Uh, some departments add foam 
into the water so it gives it a little uh, more but what you end up doing is you try to set up upwind uphill and up uh, uh, from where the water is going to run to but you always have some type of a nice rink down there and uh, I guess you just have to walk slowly and watch your step and whatnot but uh, firefighting in cold weather is just incredibly demanding and uh, it gets down to bringing out sawdust. I think we brought sawdust. We brought dirt out a few times. The public works people came out, helped us on the fire ground to uh, move around after the, fro the water froze. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll shift gears a little bit and talk about your um, the, more about the police, because that's that's mostly what we talked about were the police calls. So let's just go with some of the funnier calls that you that you remember, uh, you know, being an officer. What, what comes to mind when you think of those? Yeah, I had some uh, I had some funny calls on the police department. Probably uh, the most interesting one. I, I don't know why this one uh, sticks with me, but. Uh, we got called on a Sunday morning, uh, elderly woman, uh, she had dementia, she couldn't really drive a car. Uh, the husband told us that she really wanted to go to church, but he wasn't up for it. So at some point he went out the garage, saw the car was gone and she was gone. So he called us, check welfare. And uh, we quickly put together the fact that, uh, you know, uh, she just decided to drive herself to church. So we drove by the church that she went to, couldn't find the car. Uh, uh, my friend I was riding with, I said, uh, just trust me, I got an instinct. Go down the end of this road. Uh, just down the other road, let's look around. Went down the other road, looked around, didn't see anything, stopped for a minute to talk. I looked out the pasture side window and I saw a car down the ditch on its side. And uh, I heard somebody screaming, uh, get me out of here. I, I'm late for church. Get me out of here. So uh, we ran out and uh, there she was uh, uninjured. She slowly went down into the ditch there in the car, uh, sitting in the car, kind of just uh, looking out the window saying, open the door and get me out of here. Cause I'm late for church. Got to get to it's church. Really, really important for me to get to church. And we had to follow the protocol, call the fire rescue out get the jaws alive, pop the door open, put a seat collar on her. But uh, a very unique call. I went into law enforcement and I knew there'd be a few days I was bored, but that call just sticks with me. Uh, her uh, simple, sheer determination probably uh, to get to church was uh, what we talked about after the call that she just made up her mind. She wasn't gonna listen to anybody. She was gonna do what she wanted to do. Wow. Well, we go from one extreme to the other. That's a, a elderly, elderly person there. And but you also had some funny calls involving some teens. Yes, uh, I can't remember what I wrote on this. I was trying to. Uh... Oh, is uh, that's OK. It was I think it had to do with teens playing in the graveyard. Oh, my God, that was a good one. Uh, I was <laughs> working as a reserve officer and I rode along on weekends a lot. And one day. The lieutenant called me and he said, just trust me, you got to ride along on Halloween. And uh, I said, uh, are you sure? And he said, there'll be a lot of calls and we need a reserve in the car and just show up and ride along and help the officer. And so we got into the car. We did our see the parks and get something to eat and whatnot. And then eventually uh, we got a call that uh, checked the uh, 
check the graveyard for <laughs> suspicious activity. And we, we got out there. There were kids uh, dressed up and uh, playing pranks on the road and creating mayhem. And uh, as a police officer, you see the there's two issues here. One, that these kids are being delinquent. And the second one, that they've got a really good imagination. And uh, they don't really need to go to jail. They need to be taken home to their parents and given a stern talking to about yes. the, uh, the nature of this thing. But uh, yes, uh, the kids were playing in the uh, the graveyard on Halloween, and uh, it was it was really cute, to be honest. Uh, I was glad I came in that night. We went to a couple other calls that were real interesting. Halloween, New Year's Eve, and Fourth of July, untouchable uh, to go to work on those days in law enforcement. Yeah, I know a lot of officers, uh, especially the senior officers that know better. Those are the days they make sure they put it, put off. You know, they take off for those days. <laughs> <laughs> the guys that have seen action don't want to work it, and the new guys can't wait to show up Absolutely. and put on the uniform. That, <clears throat> that's so true. Everybody, you know, you take it takes, I don't know, I don't know, two or three years maybe for that newness to run off. But yes, or wear off, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, as, a, as, a, as a young rookie, yes, you want all the action. You want to be in the middle of everything. And then as a, as a seasoned veteran, you're like, I've seen it all. I, I just want to have a, an easy going day or evening and get back home. I don't want to see any of this craziness. I don't want to be out here on New Year's Eve. And even, even when you're off duty, you don't want to go out. You just want to stay home. <laughs> I mean, your world exactly. changes. Everything changes. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And toward the tail end, of uh, my uh, 50 years, I did get to the point where I wanted to see a high-speed chase or I wanted to be part of a high-speed chase, but uh, I started to think about the dangers involved. And uh, I did get out one time to put the uh, stop sticks down in a high-speed chase. And uh, when I was younger, that would have been a thrill. Uh, when I got older, I noticed that there's a pretty good chance they're going to uh, come right into that lane at me while I'm trying to mm -hmm. deploy the sticks. And I'm not sure my reactions are quick enough to get out of the way. Uh, you don't think about that when you're young. You just run to a high-speed chase and throw the sticks. Uh, you get older, you think about where is the safe place to stand while I'm tossing these sticks out on the road. So it, your perspective does change as you get older. And uh, I loved the adrenaline when I was younger. And then when my adrenaline ran out, I noticed that uh, – the job did lose some appeal. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever have one of those calls and you thought, oh man, I may not make it home to my family? I mean, it was just really a really hairy, a really scary call that was like, wow, what am I doing? Yeah, uh, probably uh, my toughest day, I believe it was, uh, it was March of 07. Um, right along with my best friend, uh, I believe it was actually a Sunday morning uh, in March. It was really cold. There was snow on the roads. Uh, in a small town, you have a routine. Uh, you go look around town, make sure everything's okay in the parks, whatnot. You go get breakfast at the diner and then stop at a firehouse in the afternoon. Regular little Sunday routine uh, as a police officer in a small town. Uh, we, we got in the car. We checked everything out. It was around 930. Uh, we got a call of shots fired in another police district. And it was outside of our area, but no uh, county sheriff was available to back up that unit. So we drove, uh, I bet it was uh, 15, 60 miles code 
owners of a nice uh, jurisdiction to mm-hmm. uh, help them out shots fired. The radio was giving us contradicting information. Uh, we really didn't understand the call, so when we got up to town, uh, we were running lights and siren. Uh, we got to the main four corners, made a complete stop. All the traffic looked stopped. We went through the door. Uh, somebody in the left-hand turn lane snaked around and hit the cruiser at about 40 miles an hour with a big SUV. Bruised uh, mm. my knee, torqued my neck. Uh, initially, when I came out of the car, I didn't didn't understand what my injuries were. Eventually, got to the hospital, pinched a nerve in my neck, uh, had some bruising, and uh, yeah, pretty scary day. Uh, probably took a month before I really was uh, over that accident, but. Uh, yeah, that was probably my toughest day in law enforcement. I was glad that I got over the injuries, uh, but uh, did not want to run code on snowy roads after that. Uh, it fought long and hard, uh, drive way slower on snowy roads, just slow, uh, not yeah. fast. Get there, take care of the call, but uh, no crazy speeds on snowy roads. Yeah, you had a couple of um, close calls, uh, so to speak, with 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 car accidents. I think you had a situation where you actually had an arrestee and uh, then had an encounter with a drunk driver. Isn't that correct? It was a very interesting day uh, in a small town. You could have boredom set in. Uh, you could make three traffic stops, uh, one barking dog. Uh, it uh, Rural police goes through cycles of very slow boredom with a ton of calls coming in one day. But uh, that day we did have a number of calls, uh, made five or six traffic stops. At one point, uh, we did pull over a drunk driver. He was thoroughly in the bag. We discussed what we should do, and uh, I think it was his third offense. And we said, well, he's, he's just got to go to jail this time. So we were driving him up to the county jail, and we were approaching uh, the main part of town. And as we came around the main intersection there, Another car, uh, which appeared to be drunk, came over the center line, almost smashed into us. We had to veer off almost in the ditch to avoid that car. So uh, even though we were committed on transport, uh, we spun around and did traffic stop to hold them for uh, another unit. When we got up to that guy and made the traffic stop, we realized that he was probably... 28 or 32 <laughs> and the guy in the back seat was 16 or 17 and uh, oh, it changed our perspective on how drunk the guy was in the back seat because this yeah. guy was uh, he had been drinking for three days straight probably and he had a lot of emotional problems and we basically uh, just got him out of the car handcuffed him called the radio got another unit over and uh, turned that guy over to uh, deputy sheriff and we proceeded to the jail but yeah tr- we, you try not to make a traffic stop once you have transport you're committed to the transport and the time to the jail uh so it was a complicated report to write also to explain why it took 15 minutes longer to get up to the county jail but uh yeah very interesting day ton of adrenaline rushes really complicated <laughs> reports real complicated you you have a um another story um about an elderly gentleman and and his female friend and their car un- unlike the unlike the earlier one that that you told me about where the, the where um his wife 
took the car to go to church. There's a little bit of a different ending on this one uh, about the elderly gentleman that couldn't find his parked car. You want to tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting call. It's been a long time uh, since this call, but I do remember that we laughed a little bit after this call because he couldn't find his parked car. And uh, he was pretty old, and we were listening to his complaint, and he probably did have a few memory issues. And he said, I know that I parked this car right outside the restaurant, and it was there, and it's gone now, and uh, somebody stole it. And we kept asking questions, listening to some intuition. And he said, yeah, I was there with my younger girlfriend and we had an argument and at one point one of the other officers said uh does she have a second set of keys to your car and he said uh yeah i think she does have a second set of keys and uh then we said uh we're gonna have another unit drive by her house do you know what her address is and so and so and uh had uh, the other unit drive by and uh sure sure enough she uh she took the car without permission and uh it made the guy really mad and uh we had to make a decision if we were going to charge her with driving away or theft or whatnot uh the way i remember the call going down i think we brought the man to her house he got the car and said uh we're done Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm not going to talk to you ever again and uh he was pretty embarrassed about the whole situation but yes the firebird was gone and he appeared to be too old of a guy to be driving a Firebird. And to this day, my buddy and I say, once you get past 65 or 70, you just don't drive a loud red Firebird. And, <laughs> oh, come uh, on now. Firebird's the classic. You can never be Firebird that. is the classic. Usually <laughs> approaching 70, you drive a silver Oldsmobile, right? Not a red uh, yes, you know, usually, but that's that's when you start wearing the black black shoes with white tube socks and dress yeah, pants. And I say, I just yeah. hope I never get there. I, I, I'm I'm going to opt for the I'm going to opt for the Firebird every time if I can if I have a chance. That that, that guy, you you've got the guy plugged exactly. That was the guy <laughs> right there. And the interesting thing about police work is steering through the conversation and trying to figure out: Did somebody steal it? Did somebody borrow it? Or is this guy have memory issues that he doesn't know where his car is at? And uh, I learned a lot on that call. I learned a lot about you got to listen to that gut instinct and take the conversation where you feel mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, real good traction. And I worked with some really incredibly talented people, and uh, they taught me how to steer people through a conversation and get right to the truth. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we might talk about an interesting car fire. Um, maybe your most embarrassing moment, maybe your pr- most uh, most uh, proud moment, your proudest moment on the job. So and then we're going to get to this book that you have. Talk a little bit about the book and why you wrote it and what, it, what it's all about. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Mr. Joseph Patrick Fair. Um, he is, well, firefighter, reserve officer, and now author. So uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Listen up, friends. Do you or someone that you know have disability insurance? I mean, the insurance that you buy through your employer in case you have an injury or an illness that prevents you from doing your job. And if you do have that insurance, good for you. Hopefully you'll never have to use it. But know this, 
if you do have an injury or illness and it prevents you from doing your job and you file that claim, the insurance company is going to do everything they can to try to deny that claim. And if you find yourself in that position, you need to call Eric Buchanan and Associates. That's right. Eric Buchanan and Associates and put them to work for you. They will go to bat and fight to get you the benefits that you've paid for and that you deserve. You can call them at 877-634-2506. Again, that's 877-634-2506. Or you can find them online at BuchananDisability.com. That's BuchananDisability.com. Be sure and call those guys, Eric Buchanan and Associates. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to 911. Thank you so much for listening. Again, our guest today is Joseph Patrick Fair. He has been both a uh, part-time firefighter as well as a reserve police officer, and now he's an author. So we're going to talk about a very interesting car fire that uh, that he heard a call on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? Yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting in a rural community. Uh, often uh, the police and the fire work a little hand in hand and short resources and whatnot. Most of the firefighters know the police officers in a small town and the police officers know firefighters. And uh, the call came out, I was working with another officer and the call came out on the radio that uh, there was a police car on fire and uh, we, we knew exactly who it was, uh, one of our buddies. And uh, so we thought, wow, we're gonna be the hero and uh, show up there and try to help them out. Uh, so we swung a U-turn and uh, we were in uh, full charge with lights and siren to run to help him. And when uh, the radio traffic cleared out of the initial tones out and whatnot, uh, we heard somebody ask him, well, wh- where are you? We want to come help you if your car's on fire. And he said, well, uh, I'm sitting in front of the fire station. <laughs> and uh, I thought, this is a really good place for to have your squad car catch on fire is in front of the fire station. Yeah. And uh, uh, we ran over there, and uh, sure enough, the car was overheating. And uh, there was quite a bit of smoke underneath the dash and whatnot, and it was on fire. And uh, when it all uh, wound down, we uh, basically said to him at the restaurant a couple of days later, uh, you're the only guy that I know could, could manage to get your car to catch on fire sitting at the firehouse. Most everybody else does it during high speed chase or a wreck, but you yeah. can get your car to catch on fire right there for the firehouse talking to firefighters. And wow. uh, we, ripped, we ripped him a little bit about it and uh, he kind of explained it was uh, unusual and he felt a little unusual on the radio communicating that, yeah, he was uh, right there uh, in the street in front of the firehouse when it so caught on fire and were the fire were, were firemen there at the hall there were firefighters at the uh, firehouse they had just got back from a call and uh i forget the exact details but i believe the car was on fire and i believe it melted wires and filled the uh squad car up with smoke and uh he thought well i'm real close to firehouse i'll pull up park the car and get on the radio and they won't have far to go so but I believe he drove it about two blocks while it was smoking. And oh, wow. uh, good, good thinking on his part to uh, to get it where they could put it out quickly. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we gave him a lot of grief about that for 
at least three years afterwards. Yeah, I don't believe um, I would have gotten on the radio with that. I'd be like, uh, hey, fellas, can y'all help me out out here? My car's on fire. I just would have walked up to the hall and just told them to do it and, I, and then picked up the phone. Right yes. I walked right in and just called on the phone and said, trust me, they're dispatched. They're here. It's on fire. And exactly. we don't need any more assistance uh, because, yes, uh, you do not want to transmit something unusual over the radio where everybody else can click, 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 click. That was one of the signs, like, people would hit yep. the mic on their like the radio was broken. And, uh, yep. yeah, very, very interesting day. A lot of bonding, a lot of bonding after that with firefighters and police officers. And they would say stuff like, uh, you know, uh, we're there to cover your back. And you're there to cover our back. And in a small town, we really got to work together. Right. So you, you did this for, what, about 15 years as a reserve officer? Is that correct? Yeah, uh, about 10. Uh, I, I had 25 years altogether in fire and police. About 10 fire, about 15 police. Took a couple leaves in the middle of it to take care of my kids and family. But uh, was super uh, active for about uh, probably seven of the 15 years early on, late on, less active in the middle, but all, uh, even at certain points came in and rode as a civilian with other police agencies because I had so many friends in police and fire. So never detached from it, but got busy, wasn't able to serve as much, then got free time and served more. Okay. What was your proudest moment in that during that time? Well, it's a complicated story, and I'm not sure I can do the story justice, but uh there was a guy in town, he was uh, selling a lot of drugs, he was well known, he was in and out of jail. At one point, he got arrested, then he decided he was going to work uh, with the DA. So we had a meeting, they put something on the bulletin board, person X is, uh, is working, they're cooperating, we just don't arrest him. Uh, he was a guy that did a number of things, like drive a car without a plate, and speeding and whatnot, and it was told by my sergeant, just don't arrest him. He's working with the DA. We're going to get information out of him at this point, don't arrest him. So uh, we went through our normal routine, and then one day the sergeant called and said, uh, he's decided to stop cooperating. Uh, we're going to turn back around, charge him with everything, firearms, uh, all the misdemeanors, all the felonies and whatnot. He's a wanted fugitive. So uh, uh, me and my friend, we drove around town. We looked for the guy. We really couldn't find him. We went by his house, couldn't find him. We knew he was in hiding. Uh, by chance, about six hours later, probably, uh, we were driving through the shopping center, and uh, we saw his wife, actually, getting groceries. And I said to my friend, uh, I wonder if she's taking groceries to uh, her husband. And uh, he said, man, that's some really good police work. We, we ought to probably trail her back and see what happens. So uh, we trailed her back to the house. We got in the side yard. We waited, and sure enough, he came out of the house to uh, get the groceries out of the car for her. And uh, we ran up and handcuffed him. And he said, uh, I think you guys cheated a little. And I said, no, that's, that's, that's good police work. It's good police work that's to be right. observant. That's right. See his wife. Know that she's probably waiting for him at home to bring the groceries in, and uh, it was maybe two weeks or a month later. Got a got a letter in my mailbox stating that uh, he probably was never going to leave home, and 
we may or may not, we're going to go in the house to get them. We didn't want to. There was rumors that it was booby-trapped, so there were kids in there. So uh, we, it looked really good. It looked really good that we got arrested, got them back to jail, and uh, uh, probably one of the most rewarding days, I guess, when I was driving home from work, I felt like I did something really important. That is, that's really cool, um, you know, and, and even though that you're, quote, a reserve officer, I mean, you were still right there. You're, you're instrumental. I mean, it was your intuition that led to that arrest. That's really cool. Um, well, I am known for extremes here on the 9 what podcast, so we're going to go from your uh, proudest moment to your most embarrassing moment. What's your most embarrassing moment on the job? Yes, uh, I... Uh... I wrote a couple things on there and then I thought a little bit and I okay. can't exactly remember what I put on the paperwork, but I believe uh, I showed up to a call to a car fire and people said, don't stand too close because the bumper can pop out while it's on fire. And uh, sure enough, I was standing in the wrong place at the wrong time and the car was on fire and uh, had, the, had that pop out hit me in the knee and probably for a year or two after that, uh, people would ask me, uh, are you sure you're standing in a safe place right now? Are you serving in the scene? Uh, are you following all the rules? Uh, you have to look out for your safety. And uh, it turned into a pretty embarrassing moment for me. I took it in stride, uh, whatnot. But uh, yeah, uh, I had some embarrassing moments like that. And uh, I had a second time where... Uh, I had two cases going. I was working with an officer, and I had two cases going, and uh, I got a call earlier in the week, and the lieutenant said, you just have to be in court on Tuesday to testify on this case. And I said, yeah, 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 I, I will definitely be in court on Tuesday. And then my buddy called me, and uh, he was in a hurry, and he said, you're going to be on court on Wednesday, right? And I said, I believe the case is Tuesday. And he said, trust me, it's Wednesday. And what I didn't realize was two different cases. One was Tuesday, one was Wednesday, and I thought it was the same case. And, uh, yes, I showed up to court on Wednesday, and there was a lot of people mad at me about Tuesday. Mm. And I explained the communication breakdown, and uh, they said, uh, when in doubt, go both. Show up both times, (laughs) get dismissed, leave court, better to show up to court and get dismissed than to get called in court and not show up. Yeah. So yeah, the, the two the two were is equal, one in court, one out in the field. Uh, but yes, uh, later on, I realized that when you get a subpoena, you probably ought to just put it in your phone with a reminder and uh, have it pop up on your iPhone and say, be in court on Tuesday and be in court on Wednesday. Yeah, because a lot of people don't realize, well, a lot of people do realize if you don't show up to court to testify something, you know, a lot of times that, that, that suspect or whatever that you're arrested gets to walk because nobody's there to, to present the other side and, and, and they get to walk. So that's that's never fun if you're a police officer and that, that happens after you uh, have done all the hard work to get them, um, get them arrested. But yeah, so th- now you see why I don't do anything for free. I mean, you're out here doing stuff for free. Now people are mad at you because you were at court, didn't go, didn't, didn't make your first court date. You got bumpers being thrown at you. You got uh, water hoses attacking you while you're trying to put out, you know, fire a truck or with what is it, laundry detergent and stuff. You got drunk laundry drivers truck. trying to hit your head on yeah. all of that. And you didn't yeah, get, yeah, you, you didn't get paid. <laughs> you, you you have to be totally dedicated to public service. 
I, I would tell anybody if they're going into this business, if you're dedicated to the experience and the bonding, it'll get you through it. If you're doing it for the paycheck, it will probably never work for you because it's very median pay compared to what you can make in a, another profession. And uh, I've always thought the reserves probably were people that were really dedicated to the community, doing it for free and really doing it for the adrenaline rush. And uh, yeah, I got my money's worth uh, in uh, adrenaline rushes and networking with people and having a lot of interesting experiences I probably wouldn't have had in life just working in business, uh, you get involved and you know what's going on in your community. You hear about uh, what's going on uh, in the government and uh, with other people, and it's, it makes your life way more interesting. I know way more people now because of it. So I feel like I got paid even though I didn't get a check out of it. I, I got a lot of friendship and uh, experiences I wouldn't have normally got. I don't doubt it for a second. Just not me. I ain't doing nothing for free. You got to pay me. <laughs> so let's talk about the book. Uh, you know, tell me about it, why you started it and um, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, fiction novel to die a hero and have watched one. Um, I, uh, I knew uh, during the time that I was uh, working as a firefighter, I probably would eventually do police work. I, uh, was really good at listening to other people's stories. Uh, I got a binder and wrote out a whole bunch of stories while I was doing 10 years of fire and 15 years of police work. And uh, the book is partially some of my experiences, some stories that I was told, and uh, a few things that happened to other people. Mm -hmm. uh, I repurposed it in the book after I talked to them. I said, this is a very interesting story. It deserves to be in a book. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I retired and uh, had some time on my hands, I sat down and wrote the book. It's been an unusual uh, thing as far as networking with people, meeting people like you, going on podcasts, uh, publishers, uh, interesting people. Uh, in retirement, I think after you have the camaraderie and public safety, you probably need something else to do to keep you uh, from getting bored and networking with people, but uh, have loved the book. Uh, it's just uh, connected me to people all over the world and all over the United States. I just got a connection on LinkedIn from a guy who's a doctor uh, in uh, Seattle, and uh, he did some police work part-time before he became a doctor, read the book and said, uh, I think I need to write my book now. So uh, it's it's led to all kinds of interesting things. Very good. Good. So it's called To Die a Hero. Um, now, is it is it more about police or fire? I'm assuming police by looking at the cover. It's, it's, it's more about police. And then in a small town, you have firefighters who step in and out of the story that show up to 911 calls and work together. And uh, occasionally, it sounds funny in a big city, but a small town, uh, volunteer firefighters might want you to swing by and help uh, put somebody on a backboard, get them up in the ambulance, and do stuff like that. So mm -hmm. in a small town, the jobs are weaved together a little more than they would be in a, a big city with department. But it's it's got uh, it's about police work, it's stories, and it's got a few interesting firefighters and friends of mine that I work with weaved into the story. Very good. Somebody wants to get a copy of that book. Where do they go? 
the easiest place to find this book is on Amazon, To Die a Hero, End of Watch 1, or you could uh, go to Amazon and just put in Joseph Patrick Fair, author, that'll get you to the book also. I've done enough podcasts where most of the time, if you put it in Google, it'll get you to a link, they'll get you to a book. Uh, also, I'm on Facebook I, as Joseph Fair, LinkedIn as Joseph Fair, if people want to connect with me, uh, share some experience they had in their life. I try to get back to people on social media, but uh, any one of those places will get you to the book. Excellent. And if you'll send me those links, I'll put them in the show notes too. So in case someone didn't copy them as they were listening to you, just go to the show notes and you'll see them in those, in the, those links there, if you'll send those to me. So Joseph, I appreciate you coming by today. I've really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for your service, especially since you really were, it was about your heart. Um, since you, you know, did it as a reserve officer, you really were there, as you said, truly to serve the community. Um, and so my hats is off to you. Hats, my hat is off to you. I do appreciate you doing that. It's just not for me. I just, I love my job and I love doing it, but I ain't doing it for free. <laughs> so, and again, I, I, thank you. I get where you're coming yeah. from. No, it was, yeah. it was all my honor to come on. If you ever want me to come on again, just reach out to me, save my contact information. I'd love to come back on for a second time if, uh, if you're interested. Awesome. That sounds really good. And thank you all for listening and supporting the 9-1-What podcast. And again, I'll ask you to make sure you follow us and like us wherever you're listening to this show. And uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we really do appreciate those five-star ratings. That really does help us a lot. So if you could do that, share it with your friends. And until next time, I'll see you later on the 9-1-What podcast. Thanks for listening to 9-1-What. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have comments or suggestions, please email us at 911what.podcast at gmail.com. And thanks to Carlos Bailbonding and Eric Buchanan and Associates for making this episode possible. 